This is the Winnipeg Crime Stoppers podcast. See something, say something. Winnipeg Crime Stoppers. A podcast where we discuss crime prevention, awareness, our community involvement, those who are wanted, and unsolved crimes. My name is Shalinda Kirby, and I'll be your host. If you've listened to past episodes, there's a name and a voice that you might recognize. My name is Constable Doug Singleton. I'm a Winnipeg police officer. I'm in the currently stationed with the uh, Winnipeg Crime Stoppers unit within the Winnipeg Police Service. I've been a member of the Winnipeg Police Service for 21 years coming up this March. I've had basically a pretty um, unique career. I've stayed mostly with um, with a lot of the technical or um, non-action part of it. You'd, maybe some people would say I... Uh, I spent 11 years of my career working forensics. Uh, before that, I worked with traffic for for uh, for a couple of years, and before that, I was general patrol. So I've kind of stayed more towards the uh, the the more, like I said, cerebral end of policing, shall we say? With the 11 years in forensics, it was a lot of um, a lot of stuff that involved uh, studying and the courses that had to be taken and, and whatnot. Um, a little less uh, general patrol stuff, though. I started my career off that way. This episode and the next, which is going to drop next week, will highlight the police coordinator of Winnipeg Crime Stoppers, Constable Doug Singleton, and his fascinating story of becoming a police officer, the effect the job has had on mental health, the public lack of trust for the police, and what it's like to be a police coordinator for Winnipeg Crime Stoppers. Let's dive in. Constable Singleton, before becoming a police officer, what were you doing with your life? I started policing at the age of 34, just before my 35th birthday. I was actually, I believe I'm the second oldest person in my recruit class. So it was kind of funny. Um, uh, before I became a police officer, I was, I'd worked at Zellers, the old classic Zellers. I was Zeddy a few times. I, uh, I worked there for 16 years. And then a year prior to becoming a police officer, I actually applied for and got a job working for Canada Post. Um, so that was kind of interesting for a very brief period in my, in my life. I actually worked three jobs at one time. Not a lot of sleep during that period, but you know what? It was it was very interesting and gave me kind of uh, a look at a lot of different things in life sort of thing. I remember the first day of recruit class as if it was almost yesterday, some aspects of it. I remember walking into the building and seeing a lot of people who were substantially younger than me. People like, I know there was one guy in our class who was 19 years old when he started and I was 34. A lot of people in their early 20s sort of thing. And, and I'd come from this 16 years of working retail business or working in the retail angle of things. And uh, yeah, so it was it was kind of an interesting start to things. The one thing that made my first um, little bit of time as a police officer a little bit more comfortable was the fact that the first day we're all standing around in the hallways waiting for things to happen. I didn't know a person until I saw an old friend of mine from high school standing there. And she had been a cake decorator. She had been a dental assistant before that. And it was kind of funny. We, we kind of saw each other and she walked towards me. And, and it was kind of funny because she said to me, what are you doing here? And I'm like, what am I doing here? Because I had been mistaken for a police officer so many times in my life. I just had the look, apparently. I always had my hair pretty pretty short for, for a good part of my life, I mean, t- unless it was like super long. I actually had hair down my back at one point in time. But, but people would always go to me, you look like a cop. And I'm like, well, I'm not. Now I am. <laughs> but she says to me, like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, what are you doing here? You're decorating cakes last time I saw. So that was a friend of mine, Crystal. Um, unfortunately, Crystal passed away recently. Um, she battled cancer for a couple of years, but yeah, it was, she was a heck of a person, but she made my, my first days in class 
super comfortable. So great cop. Um, and that was the start of things. Um, it was kind of funny because our first day we had to stand up in front of class and say who you were, like your name, where you came from and something interesting about yourself. I, I got up in class and I said, my name is Doug Singleton. I'm 34 years old. And I actually came from the North end of Winnipeg. And there was a couple of people who kind of looked sideways. And I said, actually, um, some of you will probably know what, what it's called. I said, the neighborhood I grew up in was, it's referred to as Jig. And they all went, uh, and even the instructors kind of turned sideways. So it was, it was kind of an interesting start. And I said, those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, you'll find out soon enough. So that was the end of that. And then fast forward several years, I'm working in forensics at the time. And my sergeant walks up to my desk as I'm working on something. And he gives me a call history. And he says, like, we got a, we got a call that it's going to be kind of involved. So me and you are going to go deal with it. Um, this is where it is when you got your notes ready to go. Let me know and we'll head out. I'm like, okay. And I took a look at the piece of paper that he gave me that had the address. And I'm like, this is like outside of the where I grew up. And he's like, no, it's not. And I'm like, no, really, this is like, this is where I grew up. And he's like, sure. And he walked away. We pack our stuff up in our vehicle, drive off to the scene. When we get there, there's police tape out around the neighborhood. Cause it was an outside scene, lots of people hanging around. And, uh, I see, um, old neighbors uh, amongst them, uh, Doreen and, and Barbie, who used to be the next neighbors. It's mom and daughter, right? So I get out of the vehicle and they see me and in unison, they're like, Ducky. And I'm like, Hey guys. So I walk over and I talk to them. I come back and my sergeant at this point in time, his jaws on the ground. And he's like, you're not lying, man. You lived here. And I'm like, yeah, like this is, this is not just a couple of weeks of my life that I spent here that I spent like the first 25 years of my life living in, 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 in this, in this neighborhood. And he's like, Oh my God, like, how did you get past the background check as a joke sort of thing? But the reality is I grew up in a Manitoba housing complex in one of the more notorious parts of Winnipeg. Like I said, it's referred to, it's called Gilbert Park. Um, but people refer to it as, as Jig Town or Jig. Yeah, it was, it was kind of an interesting start to think. I don't think there's too many police officers who came from that area of the city. I'm pretty sure I'm like the only one. So when I, when I looked at things, I always look at it from sort of the point of view of somebody who's got some experience maybe with the people that I'm dealing with and a firsthand knowledge. I think that most of the people see a lot of the people that they arrest as maybe different than them, or I, I can say like, that was my neighbor. Um, I used to know that guy and it was kind of funny at one point in time when we were in recruit class, we were, uh, we were told, you know what, just practice looking people up on our system. Like if you have any, you know, if you know anybody and it's all confidential information sort of thing. So you're not discussing anything with anybody, but if you know somebody that you think might have a criminal record, you know, this is a chance to practice on niche and just look some names up sort of thing. Okay. So I'm looking, I go, Whoa, Whoa. And all of a sudden there's people behind me. How do you like, and then the instructor's like, how do you know these people? Like, and he was serious. I'm like, just people that I knew when I was growing up. I said, like, I passed the background. They've done a background interview me. These are like associates of mine, just people that I maybe went to high school with or elementary school or people in the neighborhood. And they're like, okay, that's a little different than what we're used to. <laughs> so that was my start uh, prior to policing and into policing. It comes from a different, I think, a different angle. I made sure that a couple of times I, I dropped by the old elementary school, which was Shaughnessy Park. And, uh, just asked them if they ever needed anything, you know, and I know there's a, there's a, a neighborhood watcher or whatever. And I know that there was a, um, a school, uh, officer that stopped by, but if you ever need anybody to come in, I've got a firsthand knowledge of not only this school, but the area that some of these kids are coming from. And I know what they've gone through and I know what their lives are like to a certain extent.
Having that experience of growing up in a neighborhood like that obviously gave you a bit of special intel to some of the people you might be dealing with as a police officer. Would you say that's been an advantage in your policing career? Absolutely. It's, it's an advantage in that I know that the people that you're dealing with aren't necessarily bad people sometimes. That's the situation. I mean, like they always, I heard a million times, you're, you're kind of a product of your environment. And, and I think growing up in that environment, it gives me, I, I can relate to them, but I also, in my mind, I know you can transcend that particular upbringing as well. I know that, you know, with hard work and keeping your nose clean, so to speak, you don't have to kind of like just go the easy, easy path and do things. Maybe you see somebody else doing that you can kind of, uh, I don't know if transcend is the right word, but you can kind of rise above that sort of thing. And having firsthand knowledge, I can say to people, you know what? No, I, I grew up there. It's not just part of that. I understand it and I understand the people, but uh, like the people that live there. And I'm talking, I'm not talking about the people I'm talking about the, the, the people that in general, like the, like there, there isn't one particular demographic or there isn't one particular ethnic group that, that, that comprises the people that live in that Manitoba housing. It's, it's everything. There's immigrants, there's people, there's indigenous people. There are all kinds of different groups that comprise what Manitoba housing takes care of in those particular areas. And I've seen firsthand people rise above it and become successful. And I've seen people maybe kind of like just withdraw and, or they kind of just um, resign themselves to, to not doing good things in their lives. So I know that both ways goes. And I know that that particular, it doesn't matter um, what color your skin is or what your, what your religious background or whatnot at all come together at some point in time. And you're going to have to make decisions. And I, and I know that because I have firsthand knowledge of it. So why the late start to policing? What inspired you to go in that direction after working at places like Zellers and Canada Post? What inspired you to pursue a career in law enforcement? Initially, I had applied for police officer probably about eight or nine years prior to that. And um, the hiring processes for the Winnipeg police before that were a little different than they were when I joined. They were, you know what I mean? It was still back in the day, and I'm talking like the early 80s here, where it was kind of an old boys club where you needed to know somebody or it really was helpful if you knew somebody. Whereas when I joined later in life, they were looking for people who had life experience and they were looking for people who kind of had work experience, just general experience in the world rather than just um, a Caucasian male who was six feet tall. Like, and that's what, that was like the prime thing is like, you had to, had to meet a height restriction for the longest time. And it was like, are you going to get to, are you going to be sick or five foot 10 or something along those lines? Side story. One of the, one of the members of the forensics identification section was the patrol sergeant, uh, Mark, and he was about six, four, six, five. And, and he'd been around for quite a while, very smart man. And he walked by uh, one of the other members of the unit, Jerry, and Jerry was a little shorter than I am. So he was like five foot seven ish sort of thing. And uh, just jokingly, he said, hey, Jerry, you know, they used to have a height restriction in the Winnipeg Police Service. And Jerry's response without missing a beat was, yeah, now they have an intelligence test, Mark. <laughs> it's back then, I don't think I stood the same chances of getting in as, as I did as I got older. And I'm kind of glad because it allowed me to form a lot of opinions on my own. And it formed my kind of uh, my life experiences 
which which inform almost everything that I do. I mean, I, I, the first 25 years of my life I spent in that Manitoba housing. So I know what it is. I know the people that live there and I don't prejudge them as being one thing or another just based on the fact that they live there or, or you know, their, their ethnic or background or whatever. I just know that there's such a, a great group of people who are living there because of circumstances more than anything else. And sometimes it's in their hands and sometimes it's out of their hands and sometimes they make great things of themselves. So Now you mentioned how the intake and prerequisites to become a police officer have obviously changed within the service since you joined. What kinds of differences has there been in regards to policing today? When I first applied, it would have been different. When I actually got on, so that'd be 20 years ago, I don't think things have changed an awful lot in the last 20 years. It's a very difficult process. But like I said, now and in the last 20 years, they're looking for people with life experience. They're looking for a broad range of faces. They're looking to make sure that there's somewhat of a representation for male and female. Um, They're looking for a lot of things. They're not looking for the six foot tall, big brute anymore because they realize that you know, one of the first things they taught us in our in our um, use of force course was verbal judo. I mean, you're not going to get into a fight because every time you something happens, because if you do, you're not going to last very long. You're going to burn out really quickly. So how to talk yourself out of situations, how to talk people out of situations is more far more important than being able to fight your way out of situations. So in the last 20 some odd years, probably just before I got on, it's a quite the process. I mean, at the end of the day, you're looking at starting off, you're looking at um, a physical aptitude test, which is basically called the POPAT. So you're running laps and you're doing all kinds of things that would simulate being involved in a foot pursuit and then arresting somebody with a bit of a struggle sort of thing. There's written tests, several interviews, like multiple interviews. There's actually a psychological test. So they basically, and it was like not a short test. We're talking like a three hour psychological test. And they ask you, a plethora of questions and some of them are very strange but after you've answered all of these questions then they book you an appointment with a psychologist who has reviewed all your answers and if there's any anomalies they're going to question you i'm i'm a single i came from a single parent family um so they had asked me something about um you know something about my father and my response was very low on the list as far as like you know like having any concern i'd never met my father i'm actually uh yeah, I've never met my father. So my concern was was almost zero. So their biggest concern was, well, why do you feel this way? I'm like, I explained to them like, A, I'm adopted and B, my my adopted parents split up soon after I became part of the equation. And I've never met my father really since to the point where, you know, where I would recognize him or know him or anything. So like, I'm not concerned about him. I'm more concerned about people, my friends and my family that I do know. So they're like, okay, that makes sense. So I know the process now is involved in that there's a lot more scrutiny in your uh, mental health. There's a lot more scrutiny in your ability to, um, to speak to people, to, to, um, to be able to convey a message to somebody, to be able to do the verbal judo before you even start. You have to have some sort of uh, propensity for that sort of thing before you even start being a police officer. So there, there's a big difference there in that now it's more of a, a mental game. Whereas before it was like, we're just looking for the biggest guys that we can find. Like there's a lot of really big guys in the service right now who are super smart. That's why they're here. 
And that's great because I mean, like at the end of the day, if you're going into, you know, to, uh, to execute a warrant or something like that, you want a couple of really big guys just because they're intimidating, right? But there's also a lot of really fantastic female officers and smaller guy officers and stuff like that who are more than equipped to do the job of a police officer in 2023. Is there something that sticks out to you from when you first became a police officer to now that maybe you didn't expect about the job? I think that when I started the job, I had no clue as to how much it would affect you emotionally and your sort of like how you view things. Like I was 34 years old, so I thought that my worldview was pretty much set. But one of the guys that I worked with actually said a brilliant thing in court one time. They asked him to imagine like what would happen, like what if, it was a what if question. And he responded with, I can't unknow the things that I know. So he goes, I can't answer what if based on what didn't happen. And I didn't like, I never thought about that when I became a police officer. I I certainly wouldn't trade the experience for the world, but you don't like every call that you go on is just another layer added onto your personal experiences and how they're going to affect you. And you never really know how that's going to work until you started it. And then 21 years in, and you all of a sudden one day go, holy crap, I've really, I think I've changed as a person. My wife will tell you that my 10 years working in forensics changed me, not necessarily for the negative or the positive, but it definitely changed me. Like there's no way around it. You see things that not even other police officers see. You experience things that no other people really should. I mean, at the end of the day, I volunteered to almost like just bear witness. That's what you're doing as a police officer. It's kind of like the, the, and I can't remember if it's Amish or what the, they bear witness to these things. They're, you know, you're, you're basically, you're going and documenting sometimes horrendous crime scenes. You're noting it. You're taking pictures of it. You're looking at it. You're not just kind of driving by it or guarding a scene you're making very detailed notes on how a murder victim looks the injuries that they've sustained and then you go to an autopsy and and you're reviewing it again this time you're looking at it in very detailed and if you're the photographer you're taking hundreds sometimes thousands of photographs of crime scenes so it changes you in a way where you're never going to be the same you see things police officers when they're not working are working because you'll notice, and I don't know if you've ever been someplace with a police officer when he's not working, going to a mall or maybe a social, that would be a good one, or a concert. Concerts, malls, and bars, they're on high alert. Like you can't go to something like that without this. Your head's on a swivel and you're looking for what might be. You're 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 assessing almost everybody there that you don't know. So in, in that way, it changes you. It gives you certain uh, skills, I guess, to to assess situations. But at the end of the day, some of those things are good. Some of them are bad, but they are all, they just are. The one thing that is great was it gave me driving skills like you wouldn't believe because of um, our police vehicle operations courses. I mean, it's it's spectacular. You're driving vehicles at their limit. You learn how to operate those vehicles at high speeds and the number one job is avoiding collisions with people and other vehicles and those sort of things. They teach you how to drive d- very defensively and offensively. 
and they just teach you how to do things that they should really teach in most driving courses, but like I lead and how to set up your mirrors properly. I mean, that's something I will do for my entire life. The way I drive has been informed by my career and all the training that I have. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, just general life stuff. You become a police officer 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I know guys have been retired for a while and they're still cops. Our chairman, Paul Johnson, is still a police officer at heart. Like you talk to him and he says cop things all the time and he sees things that cops see. So it's it's very interesting. The effect that the that, that job has on you is something that's, it, it, it can have its negative effects and it has its positive effects, but I wouldn't trade any of it for the world because it's gotten me to where I am today. Join us next week for part two of this episode, getting to know Constable Doug Singleton. Thank you for listening. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find our email address on our website at winnipegcrimestoppers.com. Until next time, my name is Shalinda Kirby. And remember, see something, say something.